0: and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. So, if you got your Bibles, um, Acts three one through ten, hopefully, hopefully you're there. Uh, we're we're continuing uh, our our series in in Acts, the mission and movement of God. And really, this is going to be a, a, a sort of a two-part kind of a message uh, because you, you really need to take all of Acts three in, in context together. So today, we're going to look at the miracle. Next, next week, we're going to look at the message on the other side of the miracle. Uh, but uh, mid-1990s, uh, circa maybe 95, I was, I was at uh, youth camp, Alto Frio uh, Baptist Encampment in Lakey, Texas. Uh, I was at a youth camp, and, and we, we got word of, of a woman who had been, she'd been diagnosed with cancer, and and was going in for treatment and so they made this announcement and and I can't remember uh obviously she had some connection to the camp I don't know if it was a camper's mom but uh they made the announcement and and there's like probably five to 700 students that are gathered and we just prayed that night. it was like I think it was the first night of camp uh like a a Sunday or a Monday night And, and so we just prayed and we cried out to God that that she that that this woman would be healed and then we just kind of went back to like rec uh, and, and terrible cafeteria food and, and worship and small group and just kind of went on about our camp business. And, and, and I'll never forget the final night gathering and getting, we, we got an updated report on, on this lady the final night of camp. She had gone in for treatment that week and she went in and talked to the doc and like inexplicably the cancer was just gone. It was just, it was just gone. And so like, if you can get this picture, there's like five, six, 700 teenagers. And we're like, just, you can hear the roar go up and we're cheering. And then it's like, okay, back to messy games, you know? Uh, I, I don't know if that's exactly how it went down, but uh, we kind of went back to camp. But I, for me, I, I never forgot it. I mean, it, it left a, a mark on on me as, as, a, as a, the, a teenage Christian uh, that, man, God heals, amen? God heals, and so this morning, we're, we're going to get an up-close look at a miracle, a healing that, that took place at the hands of the apostles, and, and, and there's, there's so many unique elements to, to this story, but before we jump in, here's a question. What, what is your theology of healing? It's an important question. What is your and, and, and I know that one of the beauties of, of Restoration Church, Brian, is we get folks from uh, Bible church backgrounds, Catholic backgrounds, Presbyterian backgrounds, charismatic background all, all over. And so but but as we open up the Bible, we've got to let the Bible drive our, our theology of healing. Do you believe that God still heals today? Does Does he want to physically heal everyone this side of eternity? And and, and another question to ask is, what is the church's role uh, in in that? And can we sort of just name it, uh, claim it? If you've been around restoration for a second and a half, you probably know my answer to that question. Uh, But when God does choose to, to reveal himself and to move in power through, through miracles, what is, what is the end goal? Like, what is, what is the, the end goal in mind? Church fam, I believe Acts 3 uh, sheds some light um, on these important questions especially as, as we understand verses 1 through 10 in the context of Acts 3 and, and really Scripture uh, as, as a whole. And so um, if you got your Bibles, I want to dive in and I want to I start by looking at verses 1 and 2. It says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. This was, this was around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And a man lame from birth was being carried, and when they laid him daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms, and they they laid him at the the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Uh, The first thing that I want to look at this morning is this. This dude uh, was at the wrong gate. Uh, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, wrong gate. Awesome. Awesome. Years back, I was traveling, and and I can't remember, it was for ministry, I can't remember where I was flying, it was either Memphis, or it may have been when I went to Seattle and visited a church church planter buddy, but I was doing good, I got to the airport super early, which if, if you know me, that's a miracle right there. Um, and, and so I thought, praise God, I'm to the airport early, and I glanced down at my ticket, and I head off to C Terminal, and I'm like rolling into C Terminal looking for my gate, and I realized my ticket said the gate number was C10, but it was not the C Terminal. And so, I, you know, I'm like, man, Zimbabwe, uh, Costa Rica, like, hey, bro, I'm looking for the domestic flights, you know, fortunately, I, I, made, I made my flight... But I was, I was at the wrong gate. Uh, church fan, I want to tell you, this, this dude was at the, he was at the wrong uh, gate. Uh, there is some debate over which temple entrance that he was posted up near. Um, needless to say, uh, brother, you know, his, his legs may have been faulty, but he was not a dummy. Uh, because he, here's what we got to understand. Tony Morita says this, there's three foundations of the Jewish faith. There's, there's the Torah, the law, uh, there's, there's worship, and, and then there's acts of kindness, which manifested themselves usually in almsgiving. So, so faithful Jews heading to the temple for worship during the morning or evening hours of prayer and worship, let's just say... Those people would have been soft targets uh, for panhandling, okay? Like, they're already going to worship God. It's built into their, like the, their religious rights, uh, like the system to give. And so, yeah, this dude, this dude was strategically positioned, uh, but I, I'm going to tell you, uh, he, was, he was at the wrong gate. It's significant. Uh, many, many commentators, I kind of lean this way, believe that this was the Nicanor Gate. It was 75 feet high. It was 60 feet wide. It was made uh, of, of bronze. It was heavily ordained. Even uh, uh, it, it was heavily uh, ordained. It was it was beautifully ordained. And, and so Josephus uh, wrote about the magnificence of this gate. This gate, uh, history shows us, separated the, the, the women's court uh, from the court of Israel, which led into the priestly court, which led to the temple, which led to the altar. So, so there's this elaborate gate system that, that ultimately was supposed to lead the way to access to God. Uh, but here's the thing. The temple may have been the spot, in the Old Testament for meeting God, but the temple was just a shadow of what was to come. Amen? Just a shadow of what was to come. See, along comes Jesus, and in John 10, 9, Jesus says, I'm the door. I'm the door. Essentially, Jesus was saying, I I am the gate. And so for all intents and purposes, this dude was already at the wrong gate, right? Already at the wrong gate. The second thing we see, uh, look at verses 3 through 5. It says this, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. The second thing that I, I want to say is this, this dude had the wrong expectation, right? Look at your neighbor say, wrong expectation. It's a little bit better than your wrong gate attempt, okay? Wrong expectation. You You can't blame this dude for clinging to the expectations that he held. I mean, think about it. This guy had never known what it was just to walk across a room. He had never known what it was to, to leap up for joy. He had never known what it was to run through a field with, with the wind just kind of blowing in his face. Far from it. Man, he never even experienced what it was simply to get from one place to another without the assistance of somebody else. But can you imagine that? Completely, like, completely immobilized. He was born Lame. text tells us he was daily laid at the temple gate. Daily. And and, and think about, don't miss the rich spiritual significance, the gospel picture that's going on here. Like you might look with pity on on a person who's born lame, but the reality is this, we are all completely incapable of our on our own of moving toward God. Amen. John, John 6.44. Jesus, Jesus said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. John 6.44. We are we are spiritually lame, church family. Uh, worse yet, Ephesians 2 says, we're spiritually dead. Like we are Two, Ephesians 2 1 through 3 what a what a gospel parallel just like this man was unable to physically move like we're unable to move toward God and save ourselves that is why grace is a gift amen it's why salvation is is first and foremost a movement of God toward us but this man he didn't even realize church family his greatest need like he, he he going in. So going into this encounter, he had the complete wrong expectation. And another thing that, that you've got to understand is according to the law, I think it's Leviticus 21, 17 through 20. The, the If you were a, a descendant of Aaron, if you were a Levitical priest, you couldn't even go in and approach the altar if you had any kind of physical deformity. And so if if that was if that was the law and the expectation for a descendant of Aaron, can you can you imagine how much more would there be this stigma associated with just a regular dude of being far from God because of the congenital deformity in his legs? People looking at him and thinking a certain way about him and his relationship with God Because because what was going on. So naturally, with with no ability to get around, no ability to work, no ability to make a living, this got like begging would have would have become just a way of life. Just, just to survive. And so as Peter and John, as they pass by, like the only thing on his mind was the potential alms that they might give him. Man, just to help him get through like another day. Just to put food in his belly so that he could be carried back out there and do it all over again the next day. Like that was, that was the pinnacle of his expectation. And yet even though <laughs> dude's at the wrong gate, Even though he had the wrong expectation, uh, it was the perfect time to meet Jesus. Amen. Wrong gate, wrong expectation, perfect time to encounter Christ. And and, and, and I'm not going to reread 6 through 10 as as Matt has already read it. But but look, look at what happens in 6 through 10. Peter, church family, does the unexpected. He's like, hey, I don't have the the Benjamins for you, but I do have Jesus. My son Benjamin was in the first service. That statement was very confusing for him. (laughs) Thought about breaking it down. I changed my mind. He's five. But Peter, he does the unexpected and he invokes the name of Jesus. And in typical Peter fashion, I, I love this Peter didn't like politely, you know, ask him to get up. Like in typical Peter fashion, Peter grabs the dude by the arms and yanks him. up. You're like, yep, that's Peter. Um, pulls him off the ground, you know, and, and atrophied limbs, inactive for decades, immediately come to life. Stephanie and I, we, I, I've got a friend named Kyle who a few years ago, a, a, a mass, a big deer blind fell over on him. Uh, there was a gust of wind, and it fell on him, crushed his, crushed him, crushed his lower body, crushed his legs, paralyzed him and, and we 've watched and, and, and after grueling months of in, in really a few years now of physical therapy, this dude has retrained and strengthened his legs to sort of walk again. And it's been a, a, a marvel to watch that journey. But church family, I want to tell you, this was nothing like that. This this man's experience was different. There was no rigorous physical therapy process. The one slain beggar now finds himself leaping and running and praising God instantaneously. And the text tells us the people were filled with wonder and amazement. And if you were there and if I was there, man, we would have been filled with wonder and amazement. And 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 I here's here I want to be very clear. It was this physical healing was wonderful. And it was, it was, it was absolutely amazing. But church, here's, here's where I think too many people miss miss the point and, and we're going to kind of camp out here and we're going to talk some application and we're going to even tie it into some cultural things um we we need to understand I, I think we we miss the point the physical healing and the miracle was not the end game let me say this again the physical miracle uh the the, the physical healing was not the end game jesus primary mission his first advent when he came his primary mission was not physical healing you say well why because if Jesus had healed every Palestinian that he came across which he didn't they would still one day have grown old their bodies would have worn out and they would have perished just like everyone else the physical healing didn't deal with the real issue the root problem was not people's physical maladies church it was it was their hearts scripture reveals that our our hearts are all stained by and 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 bent towards sin and because of this this is the gospel it's why we fall short of the righteous standard of God. And this is why on the, the heels of this miracle, the remainder, you've got to understand the context on the heels of this miracle, the remainder of Acts chapter three recounts uh, Peter's message, his sermon. And you say, well, what was Peter's sermon about? Well, it was it was about de- it, He was detailing the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus had to die on the cross as an atoning sacrifice and substitute for sinners so so that they could be made right with God so that they could have the, the righteousness of Christ credited to their account. They, 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 they need it like we need the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus to secure that secured the definitive victory over sin and death. And here's, here's why I say all that. Because without those things. Without the death and re- resurrection of Jesus. No one is qualified for his kingdom. Are y'all with me? If you're with me say amen. No one would be qualified to enter his kingdom. And as you read the Old Testament prophets. As you read Isaiah And Jeremiah and Ezekiel and others. Here's the thing. They're pointing to a kingdom where there's no more sickness. And where there's, there's no more disease and there's no more tears and suffering. They're pointing to a kingdom where the blind will have their eyes open. They'll see. The deaf will hear. And Isaiah 35, 6 says where the kingdom where the lame will leap like a deer. You don't think when this dude starts hopping around like doing some jazzercise that there's some there's some guys going Isaiah thirty five six talked about this, right? And so and so the question but the question becomes, and, and and y'all this man this this is I think this is becoming more and more one of the defining theological questions of our day is who brings in the kingdom. Who brings in the kingdom? Let let me. Let me address uh, some of the the the, the modern miracles and, and like the modern miracles and healing movement. You know, uh, why why do these why do these cats live in luxurious homes and drive luxurious cars and drive the multi million dollar jets and helicopters? They're they're using healing as as a means for their own personal gain and profit. Why? Why did so many, if not all, of these faith healers' ministries shut down during corona? Like, I, man, I'm not trying to, like, pick, but I just got to call it like I see it. When, when you're looking at the news in Reading and, like, Bethel has shut down their healing rooms due to corona, like, if you don't see the irony in that, you're missing something, Listen, Jesus did not give the apostles the gift of healing as an end in and of itself. And we've got to understand this. He didn't give them the the gift as a means of ushering in the kingdom either. Listen, if there were ever 12 righteous people that could have ushered in the kingdom of God, it would have been the disciples. Jesus ushers in the kingdom. But without the cross, no one would be, fought, would be qualified for that kingdom. I'll say that again. Without the cross, no one would be qualified for that kingdom. That's why the Lion of Judah came first as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. That's why the, the miracles validated the message Of the gospel of salvation from sin through the cross, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. The church, listen. The church does not usher in the kingdom with miracles. Church, if we healed everybody, follow this. If we healed everyone, everyone tomorrow Of all their physical maladies, each and every physically healed person would still one day take their last breath. The problem is not our physical maladies and our our sickness and our disease. Those are only symptoms. The, The root issue is and always has been original sin and it goes all the way back to Genesis 3 it goes all the way back to the garden and man's greatest problem is a heart that is bent toward sin that's listen that's why we need the cross it's it's why we need the atonement of Jesus Christ his shed blood to cover the payment for our sin and so listen Like, I'm not a cessationist. I I don't believe that the the signs of miracles and healings have have ceased today. But miracles today serve the same purpose that they did with the apostles. The miracle is meant to point people to the message of the gospel of Christ crucified and raised. The miracle is meant to point to a kingdom that will one day be ushered in by Jesus. And through Jesus, we will have like resurrection bodies. Like, I don't know what mine will look like. I feel like I'll be able to dunk easily again in it. Um, But we're going to have these resurrection bodies and, and Jesus that that are listen, that are not tainted and affected by the disastrous effects of sin. Man, all things, all things will be made new. But only, listen, only Jesus can do that. Last time I checked, the church does not dispense resurrection bodies. Right? Like, if you got that gift, man, come on. Like, we need to hang out more, okay? Um, The church, Jesus does that. Um, That's why, listen, um, we, it's why we eagerly await the return of Christ who will restore all things to himself to the glory of God we we listen we've got We've got to get the emphasis off of man, off of us, off of me, off of you and put the emphasis back on Christ. Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in his return. It doesn't mean that when things look bleak, it doesn't mean when our world is falling apart. It doesn't mean when there's turmoil and dissension and all sorts of things going around. We throw our hands up and say, well, you know, like I'm just just waiting for Jesus. You know, like there's there's nothing I can do. No like we don't idly sit by hear me that's not what that's not what i'm saying we we live out the character and values of the kingdom man we love god and we love others fiercely and we and we are all about we are ambassadors for the grace and the righteousness and the justice of this coming kingdom but listen the message of the kingdom is Christ crucified for sin and raised, not miracles, signs, and wonders. Miracles serve to validate the message of the king and his future reign. The problem is there's too many people right now who want the kingdom without the king. And they want, they want the kingdom without the heart transformation that only the message of the king can bring. Let me say that again. It's that important. There are a lot of people right now who want the kingdom. They just don't want the king. And they don't want the heart transformation that only the message of the king can bring. Listen, I, I, I know <laughs> I wrestled with this a lot uh, earlier in the week. I know there's not a, a I'm like, Lord, I, I do not want to like malign your word. Uh, I, I don't want to like twist and contort it to say something it doesn't. Um, but but I I, I do believe we, we we have to talk about what's going on in our country and and the, the, there there may not be a clean parallel between Acts three and the events of the past couple of weeks but I I do believe that the the principle is the same and so let me let me be clear this morning as as I as I close I'm going to close with this and then we're done only. Jesus can usher in the kingdom. Only Jesus can change the hearts of sinful people. And hear me. I, the, the the handful of times I told Steph, I said, "Man, I I, I am because like." I am. I am about this. I, I am about uh, a a gospel centered, diverse disciple making church. Like we. Like this is man. We we moved our family for this. Like this is. And so I, I get. I've been on social media. And, like, I told Steph, I said, man, like, my heart just is heavy and broken, and, and honestly, a lot of what I've seen on social media is so discouraging, so I'm going to fast from social media, and then it ended up being, like, I'm going to snack on social media. Um, I, I know, I know the issues uh, are complex. <laughs> I, I know the, the hurt and the brokenness run deep, and so, like, in no way do I want to oversimplify the problems. Like our, our country is in turmoil right now over the murder of George Floyd. And, and, and if you've seen the video, and I know some people can't, it's evil. It is wrong. It's horrible. And, and, and the church is front and Center in the conversation, but my my fear is we are losing our gospel grip we're losing I got our gospel grip and, and I as I've wrestled with this I, this this is church, this is where I think we're seeing two theological systems collide, and the first is is this American gospel of a lot of what I came up in, which was good, it was, it was true, but it was, it was just redemption theology, right? It was Jonathan, you, you need to trust Jesus to forgive you of your sins so that you don't have to go to hell and you can go to heaven. Man, like, that's true, but we just kind of put a period after the redemption theology. And then so we we have this theology that Jesus saves me is very private. Jesus saves me from my sin. So I don't have to go to hell. I go to heaven. Then we sprinkle in prosperity theology. And so it's Jesus saves me and then gives me everything I want. And so we have this American gospel, no view to restoration theology. No view to that in Christ, God is restoring all things, the whole world to himself. No view to this fact that we are his ambassadors called to the ministry of reconciliation, called to living out the implications of Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, that in Christ, the dividing wall of hostility has been broken down. No, no view to, to, to those things. And so that's what you have on, on, on one hand. But then on the other, you, you have this theology that the church can usher, the church can usher in the righteousness, the equality, the justice of the kingdom, just like and here's the connection ready for it. Just like you've got folks who say you can usher in the kingdom with signs wonders. So much so that you have Christians who are adopting all kinds of crazy ideologies, Marxist ideology. They're they're contorting scripture to fit their ideology. They're recommending books and articles and, and, and all sorts of things that have absolutely nothing to do with Christ crucified and raised. And if I hear one more time that the gospel is not enough, listen, if what you mean is the American gospel is not enough, amen. But if I hear one more time that Christ crucified for sin and raised is not enough, that is heresy. So let's have honest conversation where we over here, people can say, maybe we missed the gospel somewhere. Maybe. Maybe maybe we miss something. And over here, we got to say, hey, maybe we're pursuing the kingdom without the king and without the character of the king. But man, let's get it right. The heart of the matter is the human heart for all of us. And this is not to diminish or to, to, to demean any matters of injustice including racial injustice and it's not to say that the church doesn't need to repent when we blow it and get it wrong because we do church we must absolutely be about recognizing the image of God in all people amen all people we've got to love others well We've got to move toward hurt. We've got to move toward injustice. We've got to move toward brokenness. But any reform without revival is ultimately a surface solution. Because at the end of the day, we need Jesus to do what only he can do. And that is to transform broken, sinful hearts into lovers of God and lovers of others. And just like in Acts 3, church family, here's here's where I am encouraged. (laughs) There may be people at the wrong gate. (laughs) There may be people with all kind of wrong expectations. But it is always the perfect time to encounter Jesus. Amen. And so the question for us right now in this place is, will you, will you examine your heart? Is your heart right with Jesus Christ? See, the good news is this. He came to heal and change broken sinners Pray with me this morning.